Welcome to Video Village. Today is a big day because the Oscar nominations have finally been released. We're going to be talking about our reactions, the surprises, the snubs, overall just what the hell is going on with the Academy and why they hate women. And then we'll be doing some initial predictions for each category. Let's get into it. So the biggest story around the Oscars this year uh, is definitely Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, and the movie Barbie, which was snubbed in both Best Director and Best Actress this year. Now, uh, you know, it's tough because I think the Oscars were never going to uh, award Barbie the way we wanted, wanted them to award it, but no nomination for Best Director is, is, is tough. I think that the Best Actress nomination for Margot Robbie was always a little bit up in the air. And I think there actually was a little bit of room for her in the category, which we'll get into shortly. But in the Best Director category, I thought Greta Gerwig was almost a shoe-in for the nomination. Certainly not the award. I think this award is Christopher Nolan's to lose, and it always has been. But um, there were there were some surprises in, in the directing category. Two foreign movies have been, uh, you know celebrated uh, before the Oscars and certainly been around in other award shows, but have now kind of made their place and and taken their stand uh, as movies that we need to be paying attention to. Those are The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall, which both secured Best Picture and Best Director nominations as well as screenplay nominations for the both of them. Uh, I think that's incredible. I, the Zone of Interest is an incredible film. It is a very artsy movie. It almost feels like it belongs in a museum, the way it has been told and the way it's been produced. Um, and Anatomy of Fall, I thought was really well written and, and pretty well crafted. Not my favorite movie of the year by any means. I think it like, honestly, I, I just was a little confused by what it was ultimately trying to say and how it how it did it. But I think it's like pretty hard to deny that it's it's well made and I feel that way about a lot of movies and those movies often end up being the ones that that show up at the Oscars where you're like yeah okay I probably won't think about that movie again um but the, I think the best director nomination here for Anatomy of a Fall in particular is a surprise at least it was to me I think the zone of interest was in conversation for a directing no nomination considering the subject matter and the way that film was executed it almost it would be weird if it, if it wasn't in the conversation, but Anatomy of a Fall really feels more like an acting and writing achievement. And I I think that Greta Gerwig deserved the spot in the directing category here, and it is it is a shame that she's not represented. That being said, it's not it's not a total loss for Barbie. I think the I think the narrative around Barbie right now is heavily uh, that they got snubbed, which they they did, but they they are sitting there with i believe eight nominations at the oscars which is no small feat uh ryan gosling and america ferreira have gotten acting nominations and barbie has been nominated for best picture that means that greta gerwig's third movie as director has been nominated for best picture uh as well as her first two so she's the only director in history whose first three movies were nominated for best picture that's an incredible accomplishment and achievement and barbie already won 2023 they were the highest grossing movie by far and 
the whole conversation of the entire year was really Barbie versus Oppenheimer this summer, and Barbie won that at the box office. I mean, Oppenheimer was never going to win that, and frankly, they, it's surprising how much money Oppenheimer did make, almost a billion dollars for a three-hour biopic. But it's also shocking that people went out to see Barbie, which is a female-led, female-directed, and frankly, targeted towards women movie. And that that type of movie has never succeeded at the box office the way Barbie did. So it's an incredible accomplishment that, like, I don't think is going to disappear now that Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie aren't going to be nominated for um, Oscars here. It's also worth mentioning that Greta Gerwig is still nominated for an Oscar. She's nominated in the uh, adapted screenplay category with Noah Baumbach for the screenplay for the for the movie, and uh, you know Margot Robbie is a producer on Barbie, so she is nominated for Best Picture for Barbie. So they they have Oscar nominations. There were a few other, um, I think, surprising uh, snubs that I wanted to talk about. I think the most notable one is Leonardo DiCaprio not getting uh, a nomination for actor in a leading role. I I think it's safe to say that his nomination was taken by Coleman Domingo in Rustin. Rustin is a biopic that I believe is a Netflix production. And frankly, I think the reviews for this movie were average. But I think Coleman Domingo is an actor that has been beloved for quite a bit. And people seem to really appreciate his performance in this movie. And it's been heavily campaigned for. I'm just surprised that Leo DiCaprio, who is certainly, like, obviously a Hollywood staple, was not uh, represented here. A, because Killers of the Flower Moon is one of the biggest movies of the year. And, And, you know, even at the Oscars is one of the biggest movies of the year. And two, because it's a fantastic performance. It's not a flattering performance. He he doesn't play the hero. He doesn't play someone attractive. He actually plays like a very dumb idiot who you end up hating by the end of the movie, or at least certainly I did. Um, so maybe that's why he didn't get nominated. And in general, the Academy has never been a huge Leo DiCaprio fan. Like I think his win for The Revenant in 2015 was largely a like legacy. All right, it's finally his time. But he really should have won for The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, for which came out in 2013, and. He's not been nominated for some of his most like flagship performances. He wasn't nominated for Titanic. He was not nominated for Inception. Um, he was not nominated for Django Unchained. So like they, they've never really been the type of body to say like, oh, we're gonna appreciate what this actor can do even if it's not something that flatters. And so this is just another example of him getting snubbed by the Academy. Uh, someone who did get nominated, who honestly like. I think should have been nominated, but was still probably on the fringes, was Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Maestro has walked away with, I think, like, six or seven nominations. And that's, frankly, like, it's a large number for a movie that I think most people in America are not paying attention to, which is totally fine, in my opinion, because I think that Maestro is a good movie that has a lot going for it, but it also has a lot going against it in terms of, like, what it's trying to do and what it's actually offering up in terms of insight into Leonard Bernstein's life. If you're interested in more, you know, conversation about that movie, I have an episode about it along with an episode on Ferrari that came out just a couple of days ago. Go check that out. I think the big winner of the Oscars uh, here, at least in the nominations, is Oppenheimer. They've had 13 nominations, which is just one shy of tying the record for most nominations that I believe Titanic, La La Land, and All About Eve achieved. Oppenheimer is... Definitely the front runner for Best Picture and Best Director at this point in time, as well as, I believe, Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor for Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. 
And I think that they're going to be the big winner of the night, at least from where, where I'm standing. It's tough because I think that makes for a little bit of a boring telecast. The same way it did last year when Everything Everywhere All at Once won literally every category. Uh, well, that's an exaggeration, not literally. Figuratively, every every category. Which I loved because I'm a big fan of the movie, but I also was like, you know, that doesn't make for good television. It doesn't make for a fun Sunday night where you're betting on which movies are going to win and you're constantly surprised at what you're seeing. The last time we had a really surprising telecast was uh, 2020 for the, the movies that came out in 2019 when Parasite ended up winning a lot of the big big awards. That was pretty unexpected, certainly deserved, but I think made for really, really fun television. We have a chance to do that here, even if Oppenheimer takes home the award. There's a lot of great movies that are represented, and I want to talk about a lot of them here. So we're going to go through each category. I'll try to kind of keep it as an overview, and um, for each category, I'll, I'll label who I think will win and who I maybe want to win. I think this is going to change over the next uh, month and a half. The actual ceremony takes place on March 10th, so we have a long ways to go. However, the, the, the voting actually ends in the middle of February. So we have a little, probably less than a month before things are locked up. So let's let's just jump in. So best picture, we have 10 movies nominated here. No surprise there. Here are the movies. American Fiction, which is the only movie on this list I have not seen yet. Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Initial reactions, uh, like Ma- Maestro being on this list, I think is not surprising, but also like I'm I, I am surprised. It's probably like I think the worst movie on the list in my opinion. I, I keep saying this as if I didn't like Maestro. I did like Maestro, but I think there's a couple other movies that probably could have and should have been on this list. I think in the animated movies world, like Spider Verse and Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, are two movies that have been like critically lauded and almost like beloved already and they're not seen on this list i would have been happy if either movie was on this list i have not seen the boy and the heron but just to have animated movies represented in best picture is something that's like really special and it's only happened three times in history beauty and the beast up and toy story 3 are the only three movies that have been nominated for best picture and i think this would have been the perfect year to do it uh instead of something like maestro but that's all i'll say there and then the other kind of like celebratory reaction I had is Past Lives getting into Best Picture. Past Lives is largely shut out from a lot of other categories besides uh, screenplay, which is a shame. I think Greta Lee, the, the main actress in this film, absolutely deserved the nomination. And we'll talk about her and Margot Robbie when we get to the Best Actress section and, and who they maybe could have replaced here. Um, okay, moving on. Best Director. Justine Triette for Anatomy of a Fall, which in my opinion is the biggest surprise here. Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer. Both of those men absolutely deserve to be represented here. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. I think Lanthimos here for Poor Things makes sense. I'm not like a huge fan of that movie. I, I really did like it, but I easily could have seen Yorgos Lanthimos or Justine Triette, uh, you know, be replaced by... Greta Gerwig or uh, Celine Song for Past Lives. And I would not have been unhappy at all. Um, and again, happy to see Jonathan Glazer recognized for his his work on The Zone of Interest. All right, let's jump to some a- acting categories. Best Actor, we have Bradley Cooper and Maestro, Coleman Domingo, Rustin, Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers, Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. 
Again, I don't know about American Fiction yet. I haven't seen it. I've heard it's a really fun movie. Killian Murphy, if he doesn't win this award, I think it's going to be a travesty, honestly, and, and just remembered as like a huge L, which would suck because I think the, the one person he might lose to here is Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers, who I like adored in this movie. And it's always tough when somebody wins the Oscar that people don't think deserves the Oscar, and then they're remembered as like, like I guess, the, the person who stole an award rather than the person who won the award. Um, so I hope that doesn't happen here. I think Killian Murphy needs to win this award. Nothing too surprising here besides Leo DiCaprio not getting nominated. Um, so let's move on to Best Actress. This is an interesting one. So we have Annette Benning in Nyad playing Diana Nyad. This is a movie, a Netflix film. Uh, it's also a biography. Big year for biographies. And frankly, I just think Netflix is running a really, really good campaign because there's a lot of Netflix movies represented at the Oscars. But again, I just feel like this movie is one of those movies that like people don't really seem to be caring about as much. This feels like standard Oscar fare where like random movies are, are nominated in acting or writing categories. Um, and they're, they're just stealing nominations from people that like probably deserve them way more. So I think Margot Robbie definitely could have taken a net betting spot here. I don't know. I've never seen the movie, so I can't really say, but I'm just assuming that that would have been totally fine. Um... So again, Annette Bening in Nyad, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller or Huller in Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, and Emma Stone in Poor Things. Emma Stone is probably the front runner in this category as of right now. I really hope that changes to Lily Gladstone because I just think that that win would mean a lot more and just feels like something worth celebrating. I think Lily Gladstone was incredible in Killers of the Flower Moon. That being said, Emma Stone was also really, really good in Poor Things. She's the best part of that movie, um, along with Mark Ruffalo, who also got a Supporting Actor nomination. But I just think it wouldn't be as fun if she won. But, you know, we'll see. This this sort of race reminds me of Michelle Yeoh versus Kate Blanchett last year for uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once and Tar, respectively. A lot of people said that Kate Blanchett's performance was objectively the better performance, which I don't disagree with, but I think it's closer than people are making out. Um, but Michelle Yeoh won the award last year, and I think that was just a really fun win, a really deserved like legacy win. This feels like almost this, the same race, but I almost think that Lily Gladstone is a better performance this year than Michelle Yeoh was in Everything Everywhere All at Once. So even more so, I really hope Lily Gladstone wins. Um, Margot Robbie also maybe could have taken Carrie Mulligan's spot, although I think Carrie Mulligan was like really great in Maestro. I just don't think that Maestro actually like serves her that well despite her being a really big part of that movie, I just think that like the performance itself is only interesting because Carrie Mulligan is is playing that role and, and she's just really good at what she does. I don't think the script is actually like doing her any favors. Um, so Margot Robbie could have taken probably in that betting spot or Carrie Mulligan's. And I think Greta Lee deserves a spot on this list. I think her performance in Past Lives was just so good and so internal and so mature. Uh, it's just a real shame for her not to get an acting nomination here. Best Supporting Actor. We have Sterling K. Brown in American Fiction, Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling in Barbie, Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things. Now, the online narrative is that I can't believe <clears throat> out of Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, and Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling got the nomination, to which I say, I can. If you listen to the Barbie pod from this summer, I called it. I was like, Ryan Gosling is going to get the nomination, and Margot Robbie probably won't. I just think people were really attached to this performance and people love Ryan Gosling. So I'm really not that shocked. 
I don't think he has any shot of winning the award. I think it'd be a real shame if he did because we have some incredible performances in this category. Robert Downey Jr. is the front runner for this award. I think he's fantastic in Oppenheimer. I would not be upset if Mark Ruffalo from Poor Things won this award. Mark Ruffalo in that movie is so funny and so insane. And, and it, to me, is the funniest performance of the year instead of Ryan Gosling. I think Mark Ruffalo is like is like revelatory in, in Poor Things, honestly. I've always loved Mark Ruffalo. He's always been charming and fun. But this took him to another level because he's playing a guy you like love to hate uh and just did a great job so i'm 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 rooting for either robert downey jr or mark ruffalo here uh robert de niro legendary actor he's really good in killers of the flower moon i don't think he has any shot of winning that award which is a real shame because who knows this might be his last chance to win an oscar he's a pretty old guy and then finally we have best supporting actress nominees are emily blunt and oppenheimer Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, America Ferreira in Barbie, Jodie Foster in Nyad, and Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. Divine Joy Randolph is the absolute frontrunner, maybe the, the biggest lock out of any acting category is this award. I don't think any of the four other nominees have a shot at winning. Jodie Foster in Nyad, like I said, largely came out of like left field, um, although she's been campaigning for a while. America Ferreira from Barbie was an award I honestly did not think was going to happen. She was good in Barbie. I don't think she was great in Barbie. She just had that one speech, which I testament. I think is a testament to the writing. I don't think that's a testament to like her as an actress. So I'm not like really like that happy about this one. I have not seen The Color Purple. I've heard Daniel Brooks is very very good, and Emily Blunt and Oppenheimer was was better than I think people give her credit for. But again, I don't think anything is standing in Divine Joy Randolph's way here. So that's largely a lock. Jumping to the screenplay categories, we have best original and best adapted screenplay. Best Original Screenplay, the nominations are Anatomy of a Fall by Justin Triet and Arthur Harari, The Holdovers by David Hemmingson, Maestro by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer, May December by Sammy Birch and Alex Mechanic, and Past Lives by Celine Song. Actually a pretty great category here. I'm really happy to see May December represented here. May December shut out of every other category at the Oscars besides Best Original Screenplay. Real shame. One of the best movies of the year. Um... Would have loved to see Julianne Moore represented in an acting category. Or or um, definitely Charles Melton in supporting actor would have been, I think, like the only correct choice. I actually think it's quite a shame that he, he wasn't able to get a nomination there. Um, I think the winner here is going to be Anatomy of a Fall. I think that movie has a lot of momentum going for it. And I think Justin Triet, because she probably won't win Best Director, people might want to recognize her in Best Original Screenplay, so they might kind of prioritize that. Uh, my favorite screenplay of the year here is probably Past Lives. I don't think it has any shot of winning the screenplay award. I think I'd be happy if anything won here except for Maestro. Um, but Anatomy of Fall, actually, I'm not sure I'd be that happy if they won. But they, they're going to win. Um, Best Adaptive Screenplay, American Fiction by Cord Jefferson based on the novel Erasure by Percival Everett. Barbie, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach based on characters created by Ruth Handler, which... This was a controversy for some reason that like Barbie was not an original screenplay uh, nominee, but rather an adapted screenplay nominee. To which I say like it's definitely an adapted screenplay. Barbie is one of like the biggest IPs in the world, and like all the characters, all the outfits, all the settings are all like places that have existed in Barbie fiction for a long, long time. 
I don't think that's that crazy. If like if, if you think about a superhero movie getting an original screenplay nomination, that'd be absurd. It's the same thing for Barbie. So this this makes sense. Oppenheimer, written by Christopher Nolan, based on the biography American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. Poor Things, written by Tony McNamara, based on the novel by Alasdair Gray. And The Zone of Interest, written by Jonathan Glazer, based on the novel by Martin Amos. This is a fantastic category, incredibly stacked. I don't know who's going to win this, to be honest. I think Barbie has a real shot because Greta Gerwig did not get a directing nomination. They might push the same way that I said for Justin Triette to get it in original. They might push to get her this win in adaptive screenplay, which, sure. <clears throat> I think the screenplay that is the most interesting to me is Oppenheimer here. I think it's like an incredibly con- the complex and convoluted story that is told with a lot of precision. And I think the black and white versus the color scenes in this movie... Uh, are just like really, really impressively done. Poor Things is really funny. Zone of Interest is very impressive, although I don't think the screenplay is the reason for that. Um, And I haven't seen American Fiction yet. So I'd say Barbie probably has the biggest shot of winning here, but I think Oppenheimer probably deserves it. And that is that. Uh, Now we're going to get into a couple categories that I don't really know too well. So Best Animated Feature nominees are The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I have yet to see The Boy and the Heron and Robot Dreams, which is a Spanish uh, production that I did not know existed until the nominations came out. Some movies that are missing here, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a movie I have not seen, but I've heard was like pretty pretty acclaimed and pretty well done, not represented here. And uh, uh, Disney's Wish, which I, I hated, not hated, I really didn't like that movie. But it's a Disney production, so a bit shocking that they weren't able to pay their way to a nomination here. Although Elemental got in, so you know maybe that's that's fine for them. Because I haven't seen The Boy and the Heron, I would love to see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse win this award. Um, be a real shame if this is their only nomination and they don't win it. Um, however, I think The Boy and the Heron has a lot of uh, momentum going for it, considering that it is Miyazaki's final film. He is officially retired, and I think that has... Um, paved the way for uh, a larger narrative around this film um shout out Nimona I just watched that last night really really fun movie it's on Netflix um I don't think it has any shot of winning here and hopefully I'll watch Boy in the Heron and Robot Dreams soon and can talk about that before the actual awards air best international feature film I've only seen two of these movies but here are the nominees uh The Captain from Italy Perfect Days from Japan Society of the Snow from Spain The Teacher's Lounge from Germany, and The Zone of Interest from the UK. The Zone of Interest is 100% going to win this category, sorry not sorry. Society of the Snow, a movie that is on Netflix, I thought was incredible. I, if if it was up to me, I would have a tough time figuring out who I should give it to, Society of the Snow or The Zone of Interest. I just loved both of those movies. I think Society of the Snow is incredible. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking about that on an episode sometime before the awards. Have not seen any of the three other movies, so don't know. But this this award is largely the zone of interests. All right, then we have the best documentary feature film, best documentary short film, best live action short film, and best animated short film categories. Uh, I don't know who's going to win in any of these. However, in best live action short film, the only movie out of all four categories I've seen is The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar by Wes Anderson and Stephen Rails incredible really funny really charming movie it's 40 minutes long it feels like you're you're watching a bedtime story and uh 
Wes Anderson put out like four short films of this nature on Netflix. This is the longest one and the biggest one. And uh, I think largely like is the front runner in this category just based on name brand. However, I don't know uh, what, I, what I would pick for any of these categories. Hopefully, my goal for the Oscars is to have watched 100% of these movies. So I'll have an opinion before the, the show airs. Getting to some fun ones now. Best Original Score. Some weird, weird nominees here. We have American Fiction by Laura Cartman. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny by John Williams. Killers of the Flower Moon by Robbie Robertson, who passed away in 2023. Oppenheimer by Ludwig Göransson, And Poor Things by Jerskin Fendricks. This is Oppenheimer's award to lose. I think it is the score of the year, if not the score of the decade. It's just incredible what uh, Ludwig did here. Killers of the Flower Moon, Robbie Robertson. Pretty underrated score, but I think that largely... Maybe it's the, the second um, movie that would win here if Oppenheimer wasn't there, but I don't think so. Poor Things had a really fun score, but again, I just think Oppenheimer's score is like so incredible. I, I would be like appalled if it lost to any of these movies. John Williams loved the guy to death, but uh, what I don't understand why Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny got a nomination. Like, I'm sure it's good music, but it's Indiana Jones. That's that that theme has been around for like so long. Did John Williams really do something so revolutionary that like he ch- he changed it up so much over the last fifty? Like I don't think he's like why are we nominating him? I don't I don't I don't think he needs to be here. And American Fiction I don't know again. So maybe it deserves to be here. Maybe not. I'm gonna do some score study in the next month and try to do an episode um, about the best scores of 2023 because I love movie music as you know if you're a listener to this pod. Um, and I wanna I wanna make sure that we're we're highlighting all the the great music of the year. Uh, one movie I can already tell you that should have been nominated was Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Daniel Pemberton's score is incredible. All the different characters' themes are so memorable and so powerful. Real shame that it didn't get nominated here. Uh, best original song. Some interesting uh, nominees here. The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot, the movie about the hot Cheeto and the the creation of that i'm actually watching that right now i'm halfway through it we'll let y'all know how i feel about that music and lyrics by diane warren i'm just ken from barbie music and lyrics by mark ronson and andrew wyatt it never went away from american symphony music and lyrics by john baptiste and dan wilson american symphony is a documentary that came out on netflix about john baptiste uh making a symphony while his wife was undergoing um treatment for cancer uh, pretty good documentary. I, I found some parts of it a bit odd narratively, but like really powerful. I didn't know much about John Baptiste, and I'm now like a, an instant fan. A uh, bit surprising it didn't get nominated for best documentary, considering like that it's popular and obviously getting recognized for other stuff. But that's all I know about that. A song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon. Music and lyrics by Scott George, and What Was I Made For from Barbie. Music and lyrics by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. What Was I Made For will probably win this award based on everything I know about the awards for this this uh, category. I'm Just Ken from Barbie is popular, but I don't think it has a chance to win. That's probably for the best. I'm really sad that Dua Lipa's song didn't get nominated here from Barbie. I, I'm a big fan of that song. And it's also like the title track for Barbie. Pretty pretty weird that it didn't get nominated. It's like the circle of life not getting nominated for, for Lion King. Like It doesn't have to win, but like how do you not nominate the, the title sequence? Um, I don't know. All right, now we're getting into the uh, the seven uh, quote-unquote below-the-line categories. These are like the technical achievement awards. First up, we have Best Sound, The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, now actually uh, 
newly titled Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest. This is an interesting category. I have not seen the creator, so don't know how impressive that, that movie was, but it's also nominated in, in visual effects. Um, I think that my vote here would be Oppenheimer or The Zone of Interest. I think probably The Zone of Interest. I think the sound design in this movie was like almost the best part of the movie. Uh, without getting too much into the film, the sound is like almost part of the script in the sense that like you're watching and, and hearing some characters talk, but the things in the background and the ethers of the audio are actually the most harrowing parts of the film and what you actually end up remembering when you're walking away. So I think it's an achievement in and of itself. Um, but Oppenheimer's sound is just like propulsive and harrowing and breathtaking at times. I think if Maestro or Mission Impossible won, it'd be a real shame uh, because of the sound design in the other two movies. Best Production Design. This is a fun category. I have not seen Napoleon. It is nominated here alongside Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Pretty much like amazing production design in, in every single one of these movies. Could not tell you uh, who's going to win this. Barbie has a pretty great shot. I think Poor Things is a really great shot. Um, but let's say my, my, my vote would be for Barbie. Best Cinematography. El Conde, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Could not tell you who's going to win this award. I would venture to guess that it's going to be Oppenheimer, but really have no idea. I've also not seen El Conde. Don't really know what that movie is. It looks like a Chilean black comedy horror film, according to uh, Wikipedia. Oh, by Pablo Lorraine, who is uh, actually a filmmaker I, I know one or two movies by. But yeah, never seen it. We'll, we'll watch it by the end of... Uh, by the end of February, but couldn't tell you about it now. But yeah, best cinematography, Oppenheimer. I, I would venture to say that Killers of the Flower Moon could probably like deserve that nomin that deserve that win, excuse me. But yeah, it's it's probably going to Oppenheimer. Best makeup and hairstyling, Golda, which is a movie I'd never heard of before the Oscars. Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow getting a, a below the line nomination here. I don't know who's gonna win this award. Maybe Poor Things. Um, maybe Society of the Snow? I really don't know. I don't really know much about this category, I'll be honest. If it, if there's no, like, like fat suit being worn in a movie, it sounds bad, but, like, fat suits win this award most of, most years. So I don't think there's a fat, fat suit in any of these, so I don't know who's going to be winning. Actually, you know what? I think Maestro might win this award. Bradley Cooper's prosthetics and overall makeup in that film was really impressive. He does look really old by the end of the movie. Um, so you know what? I'll give it to Maestro. That's my vote. Best Costume Design. Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. I think this is Barbie's award uh, to lose. Simple as that. Best Film Editing. Now this category, if, you, if you're curious more about like how the Academy works, how these categories work, the first episode of Video Village, largely one of our most popular episodes, was Should You Care About the Oscars? That sort of deep dive into the history of the Oscars and how it is voted on go check that out i'm not going into too much detail here but best film editing is historically a pretty good moniker as to like who's going to win best picture that's not true that much anymore because of how technical films have gotten and so now there's a bit of a disconnect but i think it's notable that all five of these films are nominated for best picture anatomy of a fall the holdovers killers of the flower moon oppenheimer and poor things if this move if this does not go to oppenheimer i'm gonna like turn off the tv i think it's not even close 
for this award. Oppenheimer by far has the best editing. The way they're going back and forth between the timeline, back and forth between black and white and color, and how engaging and propulsive that movie is, it, it's like, it would be insane if Oppenheimer did not win this award. And finally, we're talking best visual effects. This is a really fun category because a lot of these movies were not nominated otherwise. You have the creator, Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Napoleon. I don't know who's winning this award. I have not seen the creator. I've not seen Godzilla Minus One. I've not seen Napoleon. I don't think that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 should win. It's like a lot of CGI and nonsense. It's a good movie, but doesn't need to win. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It could win. There's a lot of practical effects in that movie that are really cool. But uh, I'm a bit shocked to not see Oppenheimer on this, considering like how they were able to do a lot of the bomb sequences and a lot of the visual effects towards the beginning of the movie, where Oppenheimer is like visualizing physics. That's not CGI. That's all practical, which is really cool. So yeah, a bit confused as to why that didn't get nominated here. But uh, let's go for Godzilla Minus One. I've not seen the movie, but everyone who's seen that movie loves it. So I'm going to give them the award here. And that is it. I've gone through every category at the Oscars, giving you my predictions. That's it for the pod. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple different Oscar-themed episodes. We'll do a predictions episode closer to the actual awards. We're also going to do the inaugural Video Village Oscars episode where we sit down and basically redo these categories, how we would nominate and award them uh, if it was up to us. So stay tuned for that. And stay tuned for a lot more deep dives on individual movies represented here. We have Oppenheimer coming up, Killers of the Flower Moon coming up, Past Lives coming up, Zone of Interest and Anatomy of the Fall. Um, American Fiction and and a handful of others so really exciting time for the podcast and uh, really exciting time for you the listener thanks for listening and we'll see you next week special thanks to my lovely girlfriend Kuba Patel for the podcast's artwork and my good friend Kevin Cow for the music that you're listening to now you can find more of his music on Instagram at Beats. thanks y'all